Welcome to Totalus Rankium. This week, Vitellius. Welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalis Rankium podcast. This is Jamie and Rob, and we are here to talk about the Romans and Rankium them. them yes, them. episode nine, Vitellius. Oh, Vitellius. And he's nine out of how many? Well, he's eight, because we had the introduction of the episode. Yes. Yeah, Emperor eight, episode nine, 80 odd. Haven't worked that out yet. Um, okay, so. Oh, could, could, before we start, I've got to say, I did a bit of maths. Oh, yeah. Or a bit of math, if you're American. Yeah. Um, like Galba, he lasted for seven months. Yeah. Okay. Otho, no, he lasted for seven, did he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. Um, Otho lasted for three months. That's ten months out of twelve. Yeah. I'm not feeling good things for Vitellius. Well, you may have <laughs> if done it's the other four emperors. But don't forget, Galba died at the start on the fifteenth of January, if I remember correctly. So he was actually emperor joint sixty-eight. Ah, okay. Yeah. Ah. Okay. So. So, I should listen more to this podcast. Yes, you should. <laughs> um, but you, you do make a good point. We've not got much of the year left, and we need to squeeze one more emperor in before the next one comes along. So let's let's see what happens to him. Oh, dear. Well, actually, let's start with your recap. Ah, this is the new feature that you keep surprising me with. Yes. And we're going to keep doing that. So, Otho died. Yeah, he did. Uh, but he's quite heroic, wasn't it? He stabbed himself yep. as a kind of a, I can't do this, I'm ruining the empire, it'd be better without me. Let me just... Guards, I'm just taking this knife to bed with me. Sir, why? What are you doing? No reason. It's fine. It's fine. Next morning, he's dead. Yeah, Otho. And then Vitellius, who'd been made emperor from... He was in, in Spain at the time, wasn't he? Up near the Rhine. But we're oh, getting into oh, this at week's episode now. Spain, Germany, same thing. Yes, it's in barbarian land. Yeah. Yeah. If you are from Spain or Germany, we apologise. <laughs> Okay, Britain was even more barbarian land than they were. Yeah, just yeah. people living in huts eating poo. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. Otho killed himself. It brought the end to the Civil War very suddenly. No one was expecting it. And <laughs> in came Vitellius. So we're going to talk about his life. Yay. So the start of this episode, I want you to picture that tent again. Oh, that tent, yes. Yeah. With the old man in it. This time, a mother and father enter the tent with a baby. Oh. Read our child's future, O wise one, says one of the parents. I'm not sure which. <laughs> the old man starts to mumble and grumble and eventually passes on the horoscope. <gasps> Maybe like in a fortune cookie or something. Most <laughs> more fortune cookies. Yeah. And the two young parents were so aghast at this horoscope that they tried their utmost while they were alive to prevent the assignment of any province to their son. Uh, only province. So was he promised something, but they're saying no. Basically, his horoscope it. was so awful. Yeah. It said if he ever gets power, so terrible things will happen. Yeah. Um, so don't let your son ever have any power. Ever. Don't do it. Well, that's what sort of horoscope. It's yeah. Just horrific. Yeah. Exactly. So even like chalkboard monitor or anything, it just <laughs> immediately spouted his ass. Go to your head. Yeah. <laughs> My chalk. <laughs> Anyway, so yet another prophecy to, to start this one off. Vitellius. And they end well. Yeah, Vitellius was told from an early age if you ever have any power, the world will just go to hell in a handbag. 
So does that come? Well, we'll wait and see. We'll see what happens. So let's talk about the Vitellius family, shall we? Suetonius yeah. claims that there were various reports on the family's background, depending on whether they came from enemies or supporters. Okay. So some report the family to be noble, others recent and obscure, nay, even base. <gasps> yeah. Base. Base. Ooh. Some suggested the founder of the family was a cobbler. A shoe fixer. Yeah. Or puts cobbles in the road. Um, maybe both. Ooh, multi-talented. Yes. <laughs> and the family managed to work their way up to equestrian rank over generations. Um, but some people claim that actually he came from an old ancient family. We don't really know. Well, similar to Otho, because his family, if memory serves, was equestrian, right? Yes, yes. But he came from a noble family background, yeah. equestrian. Uh, whereas Vitellius either did as well or didn't. Oh. <laughs> and even the ancient sources didn't know. So under Augustus, four young brothers of the Vitellius family finally entered the senatorial class. So right. now that's above where Ofo was. Ooh, okay. So the family are now senatorial. One, this is Vitellius's uncle that Vitellius we're looking at today. Yeah. So his uncle was great friends with Germanicus. <gasps> and he was the one who prosecuted Piso... Do you remember Piso killed Germanicus? Yes. Yeah, so um, Vitellius's uncle prosecuted Piso. And oh. then he got arrested because he was supporting Sejanus in the coup attempt. Oh, I remember Sejanus. Yeah, so there's a bit of linked history there. Yeah. Ooh. So that was uh, Vitellius's uncle. And then Vitellius's father was also an interesting character. Yeah. He ruled the entire empire when Claudius was away in Britain on his two-week holiday. Oh, so he was in charge? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so Claudius needed someone to be in charge whilst he went away to invade Britain, <laughs> so he left Vitellius's father in charge. Was that the one week in Claudius's reign where everything went smoothly and nicely? <laughs> yes, everything was fine for a couple of weeks. Um, he was seen as very competent. However, his love of a freed woman caused many to mock him. He didn't help this because apparently on a daily basis he would mix her spittle with honey and then rub it on his throat as a medicine. Um, the view, for the viewer's benefit, Jamie is pulling a face. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he did that every single day. I'm guessing the senator's response was very much what you just did there. Yeah. They all just stood around going, Ugh. Why? What, what, what are you hoping to achieve by that? You freak. His father was also one of the first to agree that Caligula was a god. We'd well, have to. Wouldn't you? <laughs> I think everyone did, but... I can only assume in that meeting where Caligula just went, you know what, I'm a god. He was one of the first to go, yeah, yeah, you Definitely, are. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, so he's either a liar or a madman. <laughs> or, or a bit of a suck-up. Yeah. Yeah. When Caligula asked him if he could see the moon one day, I, I, I love that. You just know that's the kind of thing Caligula quite often asks people just to yeah. watch them squirm. Can you see the moon? Uh, I can but I don't think he wants me to say yes. <laughs> don't know. Can you, sir? <laughs> what do you say? Don't question me. Kill him. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, Vitellius' father was asked this question, and he replied this. Only you gods can see each other. Oh, yeah. That's clever. a clever answer. Well done. But much better than just whimpering, <laughs> which yeah. is what I'd probably do. It's a ball of tears. He also flattered Messalina. Remember Messalina? Um, was she married to Claudia? Yes, well done. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Um, the, the one who had a not-so-secret wedding. 
Um, yes, the yeah. idiots. Now, Bedelia's father once begged to remove her shoes for her, and then once he'd done so, he constantly carried it about between his toga and tunic, and sometimes kissed it passionately. So he carried it in his tunic, the shoe yeah. that she was wearing. I'm not sure why she didn't want it back, but maybe um, she saw I can think of ideas. <laughs> if he's holding that in his tunic, I can think of many reasons why she wouldn't want that back. Oh yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Dirty old man. Now, apparently this was flattering, not creepy. Not at all. No. <laughs> you ever read The Highway Man? Yes, I love The Highway Man. Yeah, Tim the Ostler. Yes. A bit like that. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, so that, that's Vitellius's family, but not Vitellius himself, so let's move on to him. He was born on the 7th, or the 24th, of the year 12 or 15. Okay, so we're not quite sure. No, I mean, it's better than it's going to get, trust me, but um, is it's that not a... as good it's, as it has been recently. Is that CE or BCE? CE. CE, yes. so it's okay. We th- oh, was quite old when he took over. Yeah, we think he's most likely it's the earlier dates of the two, so the 7th of the 12th year. Yeah. And there's a month in there as well, September, that was it. Okay. But Suetonius says differently. Of course he does. But he would, wouldn't he? His <laughs> name was Aulus. Aulus? I'm going to say Aulus. A-U-L-U-S. I'm spelling it O-W-L-U-S. Yeah. So, Aulus Vitellius. We'll just keep calling him Vitellius because I can't pronounce that first name. He spent most of his early youth on Capri. That's Tiberius's yes, place, isn't it? with Tiberius. Ooh. When Tiberius kept all these young people around him, for reasons we best not go into, <laughs> Vitellius was one of those young people. Oh, yeah. so dear. Oh, poor guy. Yeah, well, uh, we have nothing to suggest that he suffered any kind of harm or anything. It doesn't come up later. It's just mentioned that he was there. Yeah, but, but... often victims don't speak. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is true. It's, yeah. So he possibly, quite likely, didn't have a great childhood being on Capri. Yeah. But things started to look up when Tiberius died. He became good friends with... Caligula. Yay! Yay! So Cal and Vitellius. Yeah, they had a mutual love of chariot racing. <laughs> yes. Now, in my head, that would be sort of Caligula getting slaves to run and chariots trying to chase them down <laughs> with swords. Funny you should say that. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, it's not quite that bad. No. Um, but something does happen in a moment. Um, Vitellius supported the blues. Um, I Come on, you blues. I don't know if you know this, but back in Roman times, you had the blues, the greens, the reds, and the whites. You had four sports teams, and they were called the colours, and it was that simple. Okay. And this lasted hundreds of years, right into the Byzantine age. Okay. Those four teams lasted. Now, Vitellius was a blue supporter, so he would um, frequently hang around after the events and offer to brush down the horses and things. Oh. So he loved the chariots, and so did Caligula. One day, um, Caligula ran him over. Yeah. When he was emperor, was when they were friends. No, uh, I think this was earlier on in life when they were oh. both. Oh no, Caligula was emperor at this point. Yes, yeah. yeah so of course he did. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Caligula ran him over. Vitellius walked with a limp for the rest of his life. But apparently they still remained friends. So well, you'd have to. Yeah, <laughs> I still like you. I'm so sorry my leg got in the way of your four horse chariot there. I'm sorry my bone splinters and blood damaged your wheel. <laughs> I'll clean it off. Right. So in the year forty. He married ah. uh, a woman called Petronia, Aww. and they had a son who was blind in one eye. That's 
pretty specific. Yeah, there's just a little detail that I found there. Uh, Petronia then died. <sighs> yeah. And then the son got all the money. Oh, yay. That's nice, isn't it? The son got all the money of the mother and the grandfather. He was the heir to that family. How come Vitalis wasn't? Because the mother said he can only be the heir as long as he is you are disinherited from the line to oh. Vitellius. So the money didn't go to Vitellius. Because he's still in the line. Yeah, so the mother didn't obviously didn't trust Vitellius and said, Yeah, <laughs> you can't inherit. He inherits. We've put draw this up legally. Yeah. So the mother then died and Vitellius oh. thought, Oh, as soon as this child grows up and has a child, the money goes to that child. I'm completely cut out. <gasps> oh. <laughs> yeah, you can see where I'm going here, can't you? Yeah, I was thinking, oh, that's nice. He sounds really selfless. Oh, yeah. Now, apparently, the son tried to kill Vitellius, but then changed his mind and committed suicide. Oh, did he? Yeah. Did he accidentally brutally cut his head off while combing his hair? Yes, he did. So, son's dead with one eye. Uh, didn't even see it coming. Then he became consul. Madame Vitellius. Oh, amazing. Yeah. And then he remarried to Fundana. Fun- oh, she sounds like a good time. Yeah, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's how I'm going to pronounce it. Fundana. Fundana. She's kind of a song, can not she? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they had a son and a daughter, or two sons and a daughter, or a son and two daughters. I found mixed messages here. Uh, but at least a son and a daughter. Uh, the son <laughs> apparently stuttered so heavily that he was effectively a mute. He couldn't communicate like me. He couldn't communicate at all. Um, so, so he had a stutter. Yes, he did. Actually, my mother's got a stutter, so I shouldn't joke. No, you shouldn't. She's very embarrassed about it. You can't no. tell, though. No. Only when she talks. <laughs> no, that's me. No, she didn't. no, you can't tell, really. Stop mocking your mother. Sorry, sorry, Mum. She does actually listen to this. <laughs> does she? Yes. <laughs> sorry, no. Sorry. She, she's, we are sorry. Yeah, she's right. very self-conscious about it, but you can't tell. That's all right, Mum. Okay, in the year 60, or 61, he became the proconsul of Africa. So you're like the, the semi-ruler of Africa. Yeah, so how they did it, once you were the consul and you ruled the administration of Rome, apart from the emperor, obviously, yeah. you then became what's called a proconsul, and you'd go to a province, and you'd bleed the province dry, <laughs> and then you'd go back home rich. Basically like... Britain in the kind of 1700s, 1800s. Yeah, typical colonial yeah. kind of... Yeah. So Fantastic. Off he goes to Africa. Now, that there is some dispute how well he did here. He seems to have ruled brilliantly. Everyone thought he was fantastic. Oh. Until right at the end where he stole all the artwork, the statues, um, the grain, oh. and just ran away with it all. That, yeah, okay. That's, yeah. that's not a nice so thing spent, to do. spent a couple of years, everyone's like, oh, you're so just, you're so wise. But where are you going? <laughs> That's my camel. <laughs> <laughs> who, who do I complain to? You're gone. <laughs> yeah, so mixed messages on how well he did that. Yeah. Right, and then the year of the four emperors happens. Ooh. So, as we've said before, Nero gets overthrown, Galba declares himself as the emperor, yeah. and Vitellius is obviously friendly with the Julio-Claudians. He was friends yeah. with Caligula. He was also friends with Nero, because Nero liked chariot racing as well. So Galba was a little bit suspicious of Vitellius. Is this why he sent him to Spain? Or sent him to Germany? Gaul? Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Galba wasn't too sure about Vitellius. So I thought, oh, I want to get him out of the way, so maybe I should send him off. So he put him in charge of the Rhine legions. Now, I mentioned this before, the Rhine legions were seen as the best legions in the empire. So this came as a huge shock to everyone. 
He was not an obvious choice, but this did get a Nero supporter out the way and at the same time gave him a rebellious army that didn't like Nero. Mm. Yeah, that's true. So the army up north doesn't like Nero. No. They don't like Galba either, but they don't like Nero. <laughs> yeah. So give them a commander that does like Nero, maybe they won't rebel? I think is Galba's thinking. It's not great thinking, didn't, is it? Didn't you say before as well that he was seen as a bit of an idiot? Vitellius. Yeah, that's why he was sent. Um, he was just seen as not the right man for the job. Out of his depth, maybe. Yeah, just... and you'll see more of this as we go through. Yeah. Yeah. Because so far, he's he's yeah. he's killed his son. A bit dodgy. Yeah, but bit. apart from that, he's just barely typical run-of-the-mill so yeah. far, would you say? And he's already ranking quite high and crazy. Yes. <laughs> right. So, off he goes to the Rhine. The troops, despite Galba's hopes that they wouldn't get on too well, they received him gladly with open arms, as if he had come to them as a gift from the gods, since he was the son of a man who had thrice been consul in the <laughs> prime of his life and of an easy-going and lavish disposition. Lavish. Lavish. Like to spend money. Yes, he would. He'd like to spend money. He also would stop and say hello to all the troops he passed. He was not aloof at all. See, that's good. That's yeah. that's probably why they liked him. So like you're someone that's chatting to me rather than old Galba who just sits there. Yeah, and... he was definitely not a Galba. He'd stop to the mule drivers. He'd ask them if they'd had their breakfast, and then he'd bounce loudly to prove that he'd had his. Oh, wow. Yeah. Have you eaten? No, sir. <laughs> I have. <laughs> not eaten in three weeks. My family is starving. I know, I had your grain. <laughs> yeah. But they loved him for it. <laughs> of course they did. Yeah. Roman humour. <laughs> Once he got to the camp, um, he granted all the requests that were sent to him. Wow. He pardoned all the men that were under suspicion of treachery or treason. He generally gave anyone what they wanted. That's... Yeah. It's... To begin with, sounds quite good, but I imagine that would fall apart pretty quickly. Yeah, it's not sustainable, is it? No, it's a way of getting people on your side. Yes, but, but as soon as you want something, they're going to say no. Mm. They don't have any respect for you. Well, after about a month, and Vitellius seemed to be enjoying himself immensely here. Everyone what? seems to love him. He gets to just sit back and eat a lot. And yeah, there's some pesky tribes every now and again poking up, but he's got the best legions in the empire. Yeah. Nothing, nothing to worry about. So one night, a month in, all of a sudden, the men stormed his tent and dragged him outside. Why? Why indeed? Why do you think? Was this like a surprise happy thing, actually, rather than a scary <laughs> thing? Happy um, birthday! Woo! A man approached him with a sword. Oh, okay. And claimed that this was Caesar's sword, Julius Caesar's sword, presented it to him, and they all declared him emperor. Oh. Yeah. No idea how this guy got Caesar's sword. Apparently he found it, it in a temple of Mars that was nearby. It mm. probably wasn't. No. It was probably just Jeff's sword. He went, should, should we... <laughs> yeah. I can't give him Jeff's sword. I'll just say it's Caesar's. His name's carved in it. This is like when you, uh, the, uh, kind of, you go to a church and it has a sort of a, like the finger of a saint in there or something. <laughs> or a lock of hair from a... Yeah. Like in the Middle Ages where yeah. everyone had about four trees worth of the cross. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah a bit like that. But apparently it was Caesar's sword. So they then go out and celebrate. Yeah. They have a great time. All evening they celebrate. Vitellius is now the emperor. When they return to the um, headquarters mm. where Vitellius was staying, it was on fire. Oh. And it burnt to the ground. Oh, oh dear. Yeah. That was a hell of a party. <laughs> some, some people, for some reason, saw this as a bad omen. I, I don't know. Uh, but Vitellius said... 
Be of good cheer, to us light is given. Ah, oh, see, behind every burning flame there's a light. Yes. To which all the soldiers kind of shuffled around and went, it's not great, is it? No. It's still a burning headquarters. Yeah. We've just made him emperor, let's cheer anyway. Yeah. Right. So, you may be wondering how this has happened. How is he suddenly being declared the emperor? Yeah. Well, up in the Rhine, you've got two generals who are very powerful and very ambitious. Are these Roman generals? Yes. Right. Now, I mentioned both of these last week when we discussed the Battle of Bedriacum. Yeah. But let's get a bit more detail on them. First, we've got Caecina. You're going to have to remember these names. They're Kais- very important. Right. I'm going to spell it K-Y-S-E-E-N-A. Caecina. So Caecina, he was apparently very good looking. He was about 26. He was about six foot or even taller. Wow. Apparently his height was as large as his ambition. That's um, quite unusual at the time. I know that you know, ancient people were usually generally shorter. Um, Due to diets. Yeah, yeah. I think definitely in the medieval times. Mm. I think maybe they were a bit better back then. I don't really? know, though. I've not done my research on that. Uh, if you're one listening, job. listening, <laughs> right in. What was the average height of a Roman? Um, <laughs> to the nearest centimetre, please. <laughs> Yes, that's Roman centimetres, of course. <laughs> uh, anyway, Caecina was fast-talking, charismatic and ambitious, as I've just said. He worked for Nero, and then okay. as soon as Galba revolted, he attached himself to Galba. Well, that's sensible to do. He, yes. he, he, sees, he knows a winner when he sees one, doesn't he? Yeah. So then he was sent to the Rhine legions by Galba, but he was due to be prosecuted quite shortly for embezzling money, oh and he knew that his best chance of survival is to get rid of Galba, because Galba's a stick in the mud for this kind of thing. Uh, yes. So Remember the guy that gave away his grain. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so Caecina's thinking, yeah, I was with Nero and then Galba, but you know what? If Vitellius is emperor, yeah. here's this jolly man who's come up. He likes eating, he likes belching, and he yeah. likes chatting to people and killing his sons. Yeah. We can control him. Yeah, and I like to live, so... Yeah, so he starts spreading the word that maybe a new person could be the emperor. And he, he's clever. He knows there's no way he can be the emperor. He's too lowly in status. But Vitellius could. Mm. Right, and then there's also another man, Valens. Now, he was little liked by the troops, unlike Caecina. He was in his 40s, but he was seen as skillful, and he was very good at manipulating people. So he got what he okay. wanted a lot. He was good at what he did. Now, why he started the revolt Mm. in his part of the Rhine, we're not really sure, but it's possibly that he just didn't like Galba, because a lot of people didn't, and he saw an opportunity to advance, so he just took it. Yeah. So these two, despite the fact they didn't like each other, team up and decide to make Vitellus the emperor, and then they effectively would control the empire. I'm reading The Brilliant Year of the Four Emperors by Gwyn Morgan. That's where I've got most of my information. I'm going to quote Gwyn Morgan for this one, because I couldn't have said it better. Even a strong-willed commander would have found it difficult to control Caecina and Valens. Vitellius didn't stand a chance. There's that sort of doomed element then, like Otho had. Yeah. So Vitellius is very much being pushed along by circumstances here. You've got two very capable people making all the decisions. So from now on, when I say Vitellius did this, Vitellius (laughs) did that... There's always a very strong chance that actually it's come from Caecina or Valence. Ah, uh, okay. Right. Ooh. So, so, so in a certain sense, they are the new emperors. Yeah. In all but name. But of course, Galba's the emperor at the moment. Of course. Of course. So they decide to send off two armies to Italy to overthrow Galba. 
Okay. Yeah. So off they go. One led by Caesena and one led by Valens. Yeah. They're going to send two. Both approach Italy from different directions. Both arrive at the same time. Now, shortly after they set off, they get news. And everyone stops and they open the letter or the scroll or whatever it was. <laughs> and they find out that Galba is dead. They've succeeded with their rebellion. Uh, yay! <laughs> they set off to overthrow Galba. Galba's just been overthrown. So they must have won. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what? Correlation equals causality in this case. <laughs> yeah. So what, what should they do? Go back. Yeah, go back. No, they don't. Oh, they just carry on. They go, well, we've gone this far. Who's the new guy? They hear it's someone called Otho. Uh, and they go, oh, well, let's overthrow him then instead. And all the problem with Otho? No, not really. Should we overthrow him anyway? Yeah. We, we put all our gear together and everything. I've packed. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I want to my, I brought my best socks. They're my yeah. killing socks. <laughs> <laughs> Got little stitches of dead galls in them. Yeah. Yeah. Little crosses where the eyes should be. Yeah. Right, so they carry on. And they get into Italy. Now, I'm not going to go over this in any detail at all because we did this last week. This is now the first battle of Bedreacum where they bump into Otho and Otho kills himself. Yes. And they try and trick each other and it doesn't work. Remember, Kaisina got there first. (laughs) Then Valens eventually turned up and then joint forces. They went. Overwhelmed, yeah. Right, so Vitellius was in Gaul when he heard that Otho was dead. This huge shock to everyone. Mm. Everyone thought Otho was just going to carry on to the bitter end. So, he called for Caecina and Valens, or they told him to call for them, <laughs> and they went up to Gaul and they had a big party, and it was great. And then Yay. they slowly start travelling south, like, seriously slowly. They go through every single town. Partying. Partying, revelling in the joys of victory. He did not keep a tight leash on the men at all at this point. He was having a great time, so the men thought they should have a great time. Locals found themselves abused, shall we say, physically and fiscally. And you don't want to be fiscally abused. You don't want to be fiscal. No, No, you don't. Eventually, he gets to where the battle was. So he goes to Bedreacum, and he sees thousands of rotting corpses. No one's buried these corpses, and this is a good few weeks later. You can imagine the smell. I think if I remember correctly from last week, it's 40,000 estimated dead. Goodness me. So he takes in a deep breath and (laughs) says, The odour of a dead enemy was sweet, and that of a fellow citizen was sweeter still. Mm. And then he drank lots of wine and got drunk. Well, uh, after seeing 40,000 dead people, so would I. Then he went over to Otho's grave... And Otho was just had this tiny little grave. They didn't have time to bury him. And he yeah. declared it was a small grave for a small man. Oh, that's nasty. Yeah. Because he has a Jeanne César. Yeah. Then he did a little dance. And then he possibly even urinated on the grave for all we What? Know. I've made that bit up. There's nothing to suggest oh. that. But he was generally very disrespectful, it's said. Right. There are various reports on how he entered Rome. He eventually gets to Rome. Suetonius says he went in as a conquering general. Uh, but it's believed that actually Caecinus uh, and Valen said, no, you can't do that. It was a civil war. It will look bad. Go and yeah. dressed as a senator. So it's Ooh, more okay. likely he did that. So into Rome goes. Whatever he did, though, when he got to Rome, it's obviously time to have more parties. I'm seeing a consistent behavioural type here with him. <laughs> he likes his parties, doesn't he? He does. He likes drinking and just having it, a good time. Yes, he would have... Three or four feasts a day. Feasts a day? Yeah, that's not meals. That is feasts which people would spend thousands and thousands of sesterces on. So he'd go to different hosts and have feasts. He'd host some himself and have feasts. Um, He would 
vomit regularly throughout the day, apparently, so he had room for all these feasts. Wow. Yeah. He's not going to be a thin man, then, is he? He's not going to be a galba here. No, he's not. Yeah, some good perception there for when we get on to Imagofacious. Three or four feasts a day. Yes, a day. And I'll go into a bit more of that in Approbium Crazy. Brilliant. Right, he then decides to use his power for some very sensible things, like executing anyone who had annoyed him in previous life. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not a full-on reign of t- terror like the end of Tiberius's life, or Caligula's entire reign. Yeah. Or Nero's, and it, it doesn't quite get that far. Good. But you get the sense that it might just be because he didn't last long enough to formally establish treason trials and the yeah. such. We didn't really know what he was capable of. No, um, but yeah, so he starts executing people. Again, I'll go into more detail about that later. He did do something very sensible at this point, though. Who? Or did he? Oh. You're going to make the decision. He broke ah. up the Praetorian Guard. That's silly. And replaced them with men from his own troops. That's clever. Right. Is this good or not? Well, his because he was so giving with his troops, they're going to expect everything from him, aren't they? And they're probably not going to do their job. They're not going to protect him, are they? Because they'll either be too drunk. At least Praetorian Guard, you can pay them off and they'd probably do their job unless you didn't pay them. Calber. <laughs> yeah. You know um, what I mean? Yeah, possibly. I hadn't thought of that. Well, that's why I'm here. Yeah. That's um, my only job. <laughs> but there is some evidence to back that, that thought up now, I think, of it. Because there is suggestion that, although the Rhinegians were seen as the best, their discipline just disintegrated yeah. um, as they got further, closer and closer to mm. Rome. And when they got to Rome, it just fell apart completely. His reasonings for breaking up the Torian Guard is obvious. They keep rebelling all the time. Oh, yeah. And they all declared for Otho, so he can't have all his guard supporters of Otho. But if he then pours all of his best soldiers into the guard... Who will defend Rome? Yeah, who's going to be in his army. So it could be a sensible move. But if an army happened to invade within the next couple of months, he won't have a very good army. How big would it... <laughs> <laughs> well, just, just, just on the off chance just, an army happens to invade in the yeah, next couple just, of months. Just, just throwing that in there. Yeah. Um, so how big would a Praetorian guard be, do you reckon? Uh, about five and a half foot, six foot. Ah, funny joke. Sorry. (laughs) Do you mean how many men? Yeah, sorry, yeah. How many men would be in the guard? Oh, they put me on the spot. In Augustus' time, it was around a 1,000. Okay. Per cohort, but he had them dotted around the city. Now, if you remember, Tiberius put them together in one clump. (laughs) Yeah. And around this time, you'd have around 15,000 men split into about 15 cohorts. Can't remember exactly. That's more than I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a big, big guard. Yeah. But it's a big city and a lot, of, a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank so, you. Right. Very knowledgeable. Yes. It's almost as if I'm reading books all week. <laughs> and have Wikipedia on my phone. So that that's a good 15,000 men poured into the Praetorian Guard that aren't in his army anymore. So it could have been a good move. Mm. It might not be a good move. History mm. will tell. <laughs> right, Caecina and Valens then became consuls. Joint consuls? Yes, remember you have two consuls, usually. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh. I need to listen to you more. Yeah, clearly. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they are now in charge of all the administration. They use their time Probably wisely nice filling every single level of administration with their own men. So you're very quickly getting Valen camp and Caecina camp. This sounds like the prelude, prelude, prelude. 
the start of yeah. <laughs> another civil war. I could have gone that way. It would not have surprised me. Yeah. Um, but because of what happens, um, they don't get a chance to fall out <laughs> properly. Brilliant. Right. In July, Vitellius hears that troops in the east have suddenly declared another man emperor. How dare they? Yeah, he's the emperor. Yeah. Just like Galba was, and Otho was. Yes. And he hears that it's Vespasian. Ves- Lowly Vespasian. Ooh. Yes. No, how, how dare he even be- I know. begin to think he could be the emperor? Yeah. He then learns that His troops... name begins with a V. Yeah. He's already done that. Yeah. Yeah. He then learns that troops are coming into Italy from the north. Yeah. Not, not from the east, from the north. No. Oh. These are the Balkan troops. So these are troops that were going to support Otho. Do you remember last week I said they were waiting for reinforcements but decided to attack before they arrived? Oh, is this them? This is them. Oh, yeah. a little bit late, <laughs> you could argue. <laughs> to be fair, they're not trying to, to reinforce that battle anymore. They could. Uh, Vitellius basically went, right, Otho's dead, so you guys are on my side now, aren't you? And they all went, yeah. Mm. And then Vitellius went, good, and carried on partying, and then went down to Rome. But as soon as these legions yeah. found out that there was another emperor, emperor, potentially, they all declared for Vespasian. Mm. Now, I'll go into more detail with this later, and also next week, but these Balkan troops coming in were not ordered to do so by Vespasian. They decided to do it all by themselves, and they pour into Italy. Uh, are they in the mood to fight? Oh, yes. There is Ooh. then the second battle of Bedraicum in the same place as the last one. Now, I'll go into this in detail later. It's a brilliant battle, unless you were actually there. I have to draw a picture, because honestly, the last, the first battle, I got lost when you were talking about it. I had to re-listen to the podcast like twice before I understood it, and uh, I had to draw a picture. That doesn't bode well, does it? I'm going to draw a picture this <laughs> You'll time. You'll draw a picture, that's good. Okay, then. Right, the Vitellians lose this battle, I'll just tell you that now, and I'll tell you more about it later. <laughs> right. So, the Vespasians, and I'm not going to call them that anymore, because they're actually called the Flavians. Flavians. Yes. Okay. Vespasian came from the Flavian family, so the Flavians are now referred to them. March south after defeating Vitellius's troops Good. over Dracum. Vespasian's brother, who's in Rome at the moment, talks to Vitellius, and Vitellius agrees to surrender. He knows his number's up. As emperor? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. His army's defeated in the north. Oh, I give up. So he goes, yeah, okay. Um, Hmm. So he agrees to surrender. He goes out to the forum and he declares his resignation. (laughs) But then he either is convinced otherwise by his supporters, saying, no, you've got to be the emperor still. And he goes, oh, go on then. You throw a good party. Or he is convinced otherwise by his supporters by going, no, we've supported you this long. You are going to be the emperor. Yeah, we will break your legs if you don't. Yeah. Either way, he ends up deciding to go back to the palace and not resign. This is news to Vespasian's brother, who comes down to the forum expecting to say who the new emperor is, i.e. his brother, um, and is chased off. And he runs up the Capitoline Hill, and Vitellian's supporters chase him, end up burning down the Temple of Jupiter, the (gasps) most important temple in the city. That's the head god. Yes, it is the head god. Vespasian's brother manages to escape this, but is then caught and killed. There's not going to be much negotiating going on anymore. No, because I imagine Vespasian didn't like his brother being killed. No, definitely not. I don't have a brother, but I wouldn't like that. No. Right, at this point, the Flavian army gets to Rome. I'm not sure what Vitellius was hoping for when he decided not to retire, because the army was definitely going to get to Rome. So Vitellius hides either 
in um, a small lodge somewhere or in his father's house. We're not sure. But he has two attendants with him. Only two? Yeah. Do you want to hazard a guess what profession they were? Were they the consoles? No, no. Oh. I'll tell you what happened to them later on. But oh. they let's just say they're gone for now. What are professions? Were they spies? They weren't spies. Were they sheep handlers? What are you going to need in this situation? Your Vitellius. Bodyguard. No, what's more important than that? Guard. Your Vitellius. What do you like more than anything? They're cooks, aren't they? Yeah, you've got one cook and one baker. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> so, there he is. <laughs> He's got his priorities, hasn't he? Yeah, he has got his priorities. Tell us, if you went to a desert island, you could take two people with you. <laughs> yeah. Take a coconut cook. <laughs> right. He hears that the Flavians want peace all of a sudden. He hears that. Yeah. So you're there. It's down to just you, basically, and everyone's chasing you. And then you hear a rumour that the Flavians have decided to declare peace. <laughs> Would you trust that? Certainly not. No, Vitellius does. He goes back to his palace. <laughs> but then realises that no one's there and starts thinking twice and goes, oh, no, something's not right. <laughs> Where's and, my baker? <laughs> and suddenly the Flavians storm the palace and he hides. And the men find him and ask him where Vitellius is. This is ancient times. People don't know what each other look like. That's a good point, because he probably doesn't look like an emperor. Yeah. And he's probably his busts have only just, you know, half been made. Yeah, exactly. I mean, these soldiers have been out of Italy even for all this time, so they don't know what do, he Do you think like. he took off his emperor badge? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> took off the T-shirt. So, he uses his cunning here. He says something along the lines of, I don't know, but it's not me. Definitely not me. I yeah. think I saw him run out that door. So then someone else goes, yeah, it is you, isn't it? And he goes, yeah, it is me. So someone <laughs> recognises him. He couldn't talk his way out of it. So he then begs to be held prisoner because, because, get this right, yeah. he's got something really, really, really important to say to Vespasian. Well, I would be saying exactly the same yeah. thing. Uh, it's, Don't kill me. <laughs> it's so important that only Vespasian can hear it. And they said, well, what who is did, it? Who did that? Did someone do that? I've heard... So it was, oh, it was um, when I went to the Tower of London to the story about this, uh, these robbers that managed to steal the crown jewels just after Cromwell. Um, Charles II had come back from France and these robbers had broken the Tower of London where yeah. all the crown jewels were stored. Yeah. And the, the head guy, burglar, got caught at the end. They all caused just a big farce. And yeah. he said, um, I need to speak to the king, Prince Charles, on my own, New King Charles. I desperately need to speak to him. But he actually got away with it. He became the Prince Charles's, King Charles's head spy and head kind of... Yeah, Charles guy. loved him, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I love that story. But, and and the great. idea is that um, there's a theory that perhaps Charles has set all that up anyway. So they're perhaps working oh. for Charles to begin with. That's a possibility. I just love Charles II. He was by far our oh, best king. Fantastic. Yeah. I've got a dog named after him as well. How he didn't win the Rex Factor, I don't know. He didn't win the Rex Factor? Oh, no. Spoilers. Don't listen to this if you don't know that yet. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this is what happens. Oh, spoiler. Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's dad. <laughs> spoiler warning. Yeah, no, I love Charles II. Anyway, bit of a detour there, but yeah. Sorry. Um, similar thing. That reminds me of yeah, that. Sorry. Vespasian tried to do a similar thing, but failed miserably. <laughs> because when he said, no, I've got something really important to say. Be honest. His, his soldiers went, well, what is it then? And he went, uh, it's a secret. Uh, I can't tell you. So, what they do is they bound his arms behind his back, they put a noose around his neck, they then dragged him with rent garments and half-naked through the forum. All along the sacred way he was greeted with mockery and abuse, his oh. head held back by the hair, as is common with criminals, and even the point of a sword placed under his chin so he could not look down but must let his face be seen. 
At last, on the stairs of Wailing, he was tortured for a long time. Tortured? And then dispatched and dragged off with a hook into the Tiber. By dispatch, that means he was killed. Yes. Oh, so he's tortured in front of everybody, then just dragged by a hook. He was killed on the stairs of Wailing. Now, I looked into this. Yeah. The stairs of Wailing, also known as the stairs of Lamentation. Ooh. Also known as the Gamonian stairs. It's like a torture stair. Yeah, the, the stairs of death. <laughs> now, these these were a flight of stairs, possibly built in Augustus's time. It's not mentioned before then. Mm. But they were certainly around in Tiberius's time. And it just led from the Capitoline Hill down to the Forum. So it was just mm. a flight of stairs. There's nothing special about them. Including but, spikes and blood. <laughs> but for some reason, it just became a tradition that the condemned were quite often strangled at the top of these stairs and then chucked down the stairs and then left there for days on end to rot in full view of the forum. So people just went, let's not steal stuff, we might end up on the stairs of wailing. Stairs of death. Stairs of death. Because the Romans did a lot of their courts in the forum, in the open air, I've just got this image of people just doing their everyday life, doing a bit of shopping and then going to see the courts and just looking up and there's just rotting corpses on the staircase. Oh, man. Could you imagine that today? I mean, I know the Romans didn't eat much beef, but imagine coming out like a joint of chicken or something, (laughs) walking back with it, then just looking at a half-rotten corpse with, like, one eye looking at you and going, I don't want this anymore. (laughs) Would be a bit like if you know how you watch Prime Minister's Questions and they're all all in the House of Commons. (laughs) camera just panned to one side and there was just the steps leading in with like two dead MPs rotting there. Oh It'd yeah. Be a bit like that. Oh. Uh, it's a bit weird. Yeah, it's like two dead MPs like, I don't know, Nigel Farage and, <laughs> and uh, Jeremy Hunt or something. Yeah. It'd be awful. Absolutely awful. <laughs> Word, wouldn't it? <sighs> topical. Getting very topical recently. Sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Me being apolitical. I apologise. Yes. Right. Little trivia fact for you. Oh, go on. You remember Sejanus was executed? Yes, he, he was. He was executed on these stairs as well. Ah. Yeah, so he died. Maybe his body was still there. He was killed by uh, Tiberius, wasn't he? Yes. He not, was. not himself, but... No, but by, by the orders of Tiberius yeah. oh, wow. quite some years ago. But I'd like to think that his skeleton's still hanging around on those stairs. Yeah, with a leathery flesh hanging yes. from an arm. <laughs> okay. Now, Vitellius's last words were, Yet I was once your emperor. And then they shoved a hook in his face and shoved him <laughs> Yeah, apparently it was really quite a horrendous end to his oh. life. And then the, what remained of him was flung in the Tiber. There was no grave or anything. But then you do remember him dancing on Otho's grave, declaring mm. it a rubbish grave. So. Okay, yeah, but there's a difference between getting horrifically tortured for four hours and <laughs> dancing on a bit of dirt. Yeah, this is true. So there you go. That is the life of Vitellius. I feel very sorry for him, actually. Yeah. I kind of like it at the moment. I'm glad we'll learn a bit more. Yeah. But I do kind of have a soft spot for him at the moment. Okay, well, let's Pass see how he does in the ranking, shall we? Fightius Maximus. Maximus. I'm going to now go into detail of the second battle in Betrayacum. Right, I'll try and follow this. Yes, but before I start, I will tell you Vitellius was never there. Right. He did not take part. So before we get into it, let's just quickly recap on some things that he did do. Okay. He went up to the Rhine legions and he oversaw them. So, so he went to the Rhine. Yeah, and he had some... holiday in a party. Yeah, he wasn't there for very long, though, but he seemed to have some small successes when he was there. Okay. Um, that's about it. That's all I Oh, got. okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, 
and now he let, lost the battle. So. Let's let's now go into the second battle of Bedreacum. Okay, so these Flavian troops, the Balkan yes. troops, they enter northern Italy in the end of September. Yeah. Vespasian is not with them. He's in Egypt at the time. In fact, he hasn't even ordered them to attack. They've just jumped the gun. They're so eager to go and kill Vitellius, they just jump in and start attacking. Okay. So Vitellius is caught unawares, and he orders Valens and Caecina. I say he orders Valens and Caecina. It was probably just decided by Valens and Caecina. We do this. Let, let's go up with the troops. Unfortunately, Valens was ill at the time, so he couldn't go. He had to send Caecina ahead. So Caecina goes north to meet the troops. Yes, so Caecina has his troops and Valens' troops, and they're going up north to meet the Flavians. However, as you've pointed out earlier, this army's not the same army that defeated Otho. No. They're not quite as uh, hardcore as they used to be. <laughs> but hopefully the march-up will do them good, whip them into yeah. shape. Yeah, right. But there is some suggestion that Caecina was not happy at this point. With Vitellius? With Vitellius. He felt that Valens was winning this internal power struggle. Vitellius had sided with Valens one too many times for Caecina's liking. Ooh, okay. And Caecina now has all of the troops. Ah. Yes. Also, as Tasta says, perhaps he was already contemplating treachery. Many believed his loyalty had been undermined by Flavius Sabinus. That's Vespasian's brother, who we know dies in the end. Yeah. If Caecina were to change sides... Vespasian would meet any terms set, apparently, according to Vespasian's brother. So there's a suggestion that Vespasian's already done a bit of intrigue and is wooing Caecina onto his side. Well, you can see the crack, can't you? So you're not yeah. very happy. You could be happy here. Yeah, exactly. So Caecina marches up with the Balkan legions. Yeah. Now, just before he gets there, he sends the troops on ahead to go and camp just by the Flavian troops. Yeah. So they can do battle. But he then goes ahead to have a look at the fleet docked nearby, and he nips <laughs> off. Now, he does actually go to the fleet nearby, but he goes to meet the general in charge, who's another battalion, who is already writing letters to him, saying, shall we both defect? Ooh. So, he meets someone else, but they both decide to, effect, to, to defect, basically. So, Caecinius is the guy who just said, no, we're swapping sides. Yeah. So, <laughs> he then goes into talks with the Flavian general. The guy in charge of the Flavians at the moment is called Antonius. Marcus Antonius. But not Mark Antony. He's dead. <laughs> yeah. So Antonius and Caecina start chatting to each other through letters, coming to terms. At the same time, Caecina's writing lots of public letters saying, you terrible Flavians, you're such traitors. How dare you go against Vitellius, our glorious leader. So he's <laughs> making a public display of yeah. getting the job done, but it's actually he's, he's about, to, about to change. He then gets all his centurions into his tent. and he That's managed, a massive tent. Not, not his whole army, just... Oh, just one yeah, or two. Yeah, the, the, his leading centurions, okay. I should say. Um, and he manages to convince them to defect. He obviously had a very convincing presentation. Yeah. Defect or I'll kill you. <laughs> yes. So, however, word leaks... And apparently, at first there was a massive silence, then all hell broke loose. Which is an interesting translation, I thought. It is. That sounds very modern, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I'm not sure what that would have been in the original Latin, because they didn't have a concept of hell. Uh, Hades uprised... Maybe. ...and went through a volcano, covered us in lava. There was a bit of a ruckus. Yeah. Yeah. A to-do. To Ooh. Yeah. A bit of a disagreement. 
Yeah. Anyway, people were not impressed. So the troops arrest Kaisena and bound him in chains and then elect new leaders. Oh. And then they run off to Cremona. Do you remember the, the headquarters from last week in the battle? Ones that burned down? No, Cremona didn't burn down because this was the Vitellian city. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, I remember these. So they all go off to um, Cremona. So Antonius wakes up the next day to find this army that he was expecting to defect to him that day had just suddenly disappeared. Not great. Hmm. Yeah. So the Flavians chase them. We're going to have to battle them. So they all are now rushing to Cremona. Right. There were a couple of skirmishes on the way, and the battalions were not doing too well. So by the time they get to Cremona, they're on the back foot. Yeah. They're about to lose. The Flavians arrive at the city afterwards, and they think, yes, we're just about to win. We, we, we've got this in the bag. Yeah. But night is falling. As it often does. It does it regularly. Very regularly. And back then, when that happens, the troops go to bed, because you can't fight in the dark, obviously. Yeah, I've got torches. Yeah. You might, get, you might burn yourself on those like, flaming torches. Yeah. Ah. However, the Flavian troops were very eager to attack because they saw this rich city in the background and thought, well, we could <laughs> sack that if we attack and we'll get all the loot. But if we wait till morning, the battalions will obviously give up. Look, we've got them on the run. So they give up, it'll be peaceful, and then all the loot will go to the generals. Yeah. So the soldiers spoiling for a fight. So Antonius tries to calm them down. But at the same time, the Vitellians think, well, we've got a walled city and a camp right behind us. If it goes too badly, we can just run inside there. So maybe we should fight them. So the Vitellians start spoiling for a fight. And it's getting darker uh, and darker. Night is falling. Night is falling. And battle begins. <laughs> But they couldn't see what the hell they were doing. <laughs> yes, the, we have a night battle. This is extremely rare and in dangerous. ancient times. And dangerous. Oh my eye! <laughs> so, the battle lasts for ten hours. Ten hours, wow. all the way till dawn the next day. Both sides suffer huge losses. But this wasn't ten hours of intense fighting. It was pockets of intense fighting and then lulls. Yeah. Now, the sources comment on how the soldiers would talk to each other in the lulls. And in fact, women from Cremona would come out with refreshments for the battalions. Refreshments? <laughs> no, he doesn't put it that way. It says food and drink. Okay, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> and the fact that they shared them with the Flavians as well indicates oh. that it was real food and drink. Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> the battalions got food and drink and apparently shared it with, with the enemy. Which is a bit odd, isn't it? It seems very like a genteel battle. It does. It's almost like they were hitting each other with little branches, like, oh, take that, you brute. However, at the same time, it's also said, they fought as if they were against foreigners, as if all must die or they became slaves themselves. So apparently when they did fight, they really went for it. But they were also taking breaks. And there's no point being rude. Did they call like a, a timeout. It's a timeout. Timeout. Yeah. Regroup. Come on, guys. Right, when fighting, the men, as you said, could barely see each other. And the passwords was soon learnt on both sides because they had to be used so often. So if they stumbled across someone, they said, say the password. Uh, I, I hate Vitellius. Good, you're on our side. Okay. Banana, kill him. <laughs> yeah. So soon they knew all each other's passwords. So the passwords became useless. So they learnt the safe words. Yes, safe words. And it, it just didn't work anymore. Banners also got mixed up because a band on one side <laughs> managed to get to the other side and capture a wagon full of banners. And carry them back and spread them out to cause confusion. And that worked. Yeah. <laughs> so no one's got a clue who's on which side anymore. No one can see each other. 
It's just generally people fighting and killing. Oh. Yeah. Which is why there's probably so many breaks where people are just trying to figure out what yeah. is going on. Are you, are you in my army? Probably. I don't know. <laughs> you don't sound like you should be in my army. <laughs> it's a bit weird because this is a civil war. Yeah. They'd have the same <laughs> accent, wouldn't they? <laughs> well, not necessarily, actually, because you get troops from all over the empire exactly and that's what i was thinking yes of course at one point a giant rock throwing ballista was pulled out (laughs) and started to devastate the flavian line so two flavian soldiers grabbed vitellian shields and managed to sneak all the way up to the ballista pretending to be vitellian troops yeah and as soon as they got there managed to disable it imagine by chopping some of the ropes that were used yeah hide the rocks yeah, <laughs> maybe they did that. Yeah. But quick, grab all the rocks and hide it. Can't we cut the rock? No, grab the rocks. <laughs> Roll them. <laughs> Roll them. God damn it. Right. So these these two troops were murdered straight away as soon as they disabled the ballista, but they oh. saved the Flavian line. So as are those two heroes, martyrs. Right. Eventually, after ten hours, the sun starts to rise. And at this point, the portion of the Flavians suddenly turn and let a shout of greeting. So the Flavians, inspired by the arrival of these reinforcements, were spurred on for one last push. The Vitellians start to wilt at the thought of fresh troops and were eventually slaughtered by the Flavians. At one point during this, apparently a young soldier cut down an enemy, only to realise that it was his own father who we have not seen from childhood. So a good memory then. Well, apparently it was when he was, like, looting the body, he came across something that... Prove that it was his father. Like a little note written when he's a kid, like in crayon. Yeah. Like, I I love you. <laughs> I, I love you. I'll <laughs> never forget you. Yeah. I mm. would never certainly kill you in a battle, father. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. So that that's a bit sad, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's also probably not true, but <laughs> it's a good story. All right. <laughs> um, the Vitellians were crushed at this point, but where were the reinforcements? Ooh. Were they just watching and laughing? No, there weren't any reinforcements. Ooh. Now, it wasn't a cunning trick. The Flavians had been fighting out in the east. Right. At least some of them had. And they'd taken a local custom of greeting the sun when it rose. Here comes the sun. Yeah, they sang that. Yeah. And just did a little dance. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So when the Flavians turned to greet the sun, the Vitellians thought reinforcements have arrived and their morale cr- crumbled and oh. they were killed. Yeah. Oh, that's... There were no reinforcements. That's... Oh. Yeah. But it's not over yet. Good. No. Because then they needed to take the, the Vitellian camp on the other side of the city. <laughs> the troops at this point were exhausted, as you can probably imagine. They've been yeah. fighting all night long. And they just go, no, we, we don't want to do this. But the generals sort of nod at the city and go... City full of wealth and riches. Yeah, you can sack that if we get rid of the camp. So the troops go, Oh, go on then. (laughs) Fine. So they start attacking the camp, which still has lots of battalions inside to defend. Sort of huge casualties, but in the end, the battalions in desperation push one of their ballistas, which is a huge rock thrown device, as I've indicated earlier. They just push it off in an attempt to kill lots of the Flavians. Did it work? Yeah, yeah, called loads of flavors. Oh, it also tore down the walls. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Break the walls down. See, but, uh, if that ha- if you're the leader of that and you're reporting your general what happened, you go, brilliant news, sir, we've killed thousands of flavors of that with our massive rock thing. Brilliant, brilliant. Any negativity, any- anything bad you can report? Um, <laughs> well, when we push the rock off, there may have been a slight 
crack in the wall. A crack? Well, massive hole. Which is why this Flavian soldier's standing behind me with a sword. And force me to tell you this. <laughs> yeah. Flavians rush in, they kill everyone. Um, they've got the camp. It was taken. Well done, them. Oh. Okay. But it's not over yet. Because yeah. the city itself has huge walls. Yes. Yes, so now we've got a city to defeat. These soldiers, I can only imagine how tired they are at this point. So no. An- Antonius, remember, he's in charge of the Flavians. Um, he thinks there's no way we're getting past these walls. No. It's just, we can't do it. We're too tired. So what do we do? So he then orders the villas outside the walls, because the, the city's grown and some people have built villas on the outside of the walls. <laughs> yeah. So he orders them to be burnt to the ground, hoping that the rich people inside the city who own the villas will come out to try and put the fires out, or at least say, stop burning, we surrender. Yeah. Yeah. Now, whether because of this, or just because the battalions knew it was hopeless, the battalions inside the city turned to Kaisina. Yes, Kaisina's still alive. One of the chains? Yes. Wow. He's still alive, he's in the city. They I'm turn to Kaisina and they say... If you go out there and put in a good word for us, then you'll be out there and not with us. So what does Kaisina do? Yep. No. What? No, he goes, no. He's a, he's a moody one, is Kaisina. He's a bit temperamental, yeah. yeah like, make me. Yeah, make me. I don't You're like not it. my mum. You put me in chains. I'm not doing anything for you. So yeah, he actually refused to do this. Oh. So then the battalions eventually hang up lots of flags of surrender on the walls and they all mm-hmm. march out to accept their fate. Oh. Kaisina then comes out a little bit later, dressed as a consul and just basically lording it all over everyone. Soldiers on both sides hate this. <laughs> He's just seen as a traitor from both sides. Oh, yeah. They've been fighting for 10, 15 hours at this point, and then here comes this turncoat swanning out of the city. Dressed in a robe. Yeah. Antonius, as quick as he can, gives him a bodyguard and just sends him off to Vespasian as quick as possible because he knows he's going to be killed. So, Kaisina has officially survived the Year of the Four Emperors at this point. We don't see him again today. Ah. But he's, he's lived. Oh. Well done, Kaisina. This is now his fourth emperor he's supporting. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. He needs some sort of trophy, doesn't he? (laughs) He does. Right. But what happens to all the men? They're not happy at all. No. Antonius has the city. The Flavians have the city. But the men really want to sack the city. But the Vertelians have surrendered. And they've given up the city. There's no point going into the city to sack it anymore. Because you already own it. Yeah, you already own it. So Antonius tells his men, no, we're not sacking the city. This doesn't go down too well. Then Antonius goes to a nearby villa, one that he hadn't burnt down, obviously. um, (laughs) And he goes to have a bath to wash all the blood off him. Yeah. Because by this point, he needs to freshen up. Drenched in blood. The bath was cold, though. And he was told by a slave, don't worry, it will be hot in a minute. They were his words. It will be hot in a minute. Now, this was heard by a nearby soldier who rushed out and said, Antonius wants the city to be hot in a minute. And they'll go, what's that? He wants to burn the city down. Off we go then. So they rush into the city. They burn it. They loot it. The city never is what it was ever again. That's like a really bad game of Chinese whispers, isn't it? <laughs> yes. That wasn't actually a game. <laughs> no. I mean, it's just any excuse to sack it at yeah. that point. Oh, this bath's a little bit cold. You want to kill everyone? Yeah. <laughs> it's not what I said. <laughs> no. 
Yeah, so that's the battle, the second battle of Bedraicum, and that is why Ves uh, Vitellius decided to give up so quickly when the Flavians then started to march south. Because what the only thing I haven't mentioned is what happened to Valens. He eventually mm. gets better from his cold or whatever he has, <laughs> goes to Gaul to look for reinforcements, but is caught by Flavian troops. They behead him Ooh. and they show him to the rest of the army. So they go, oh, we've lost our leader. So, so Valens died. But Caecina is now working for Vespasian. Uh, we'll see how so that we'll goes. we'll see him soon. Oh, <laughs> I liked that battle story. It was it's good when I it was nice. Yeah, it. I understood it a lot better as well. Yeah, it was a clearer battle story, wasn't it? Yeah, with more misfortune than it. Right. Okay. But what we really should be doing now is, of course, rating Vitellius's Fightius Maximus. I initially very very low. Yeah, his army lost many and, times, and he didn't do any fighting. But let's not forget, he did do the stuff last week, which we've not really talked about. His army did defeat Otho's army. So he became emperor through force. So you've got to get some points in fighting Maximus for that. Uh, yeah, okay. So he had some successes. And like you said, he did go on holiday to Germany where there happened to be an army. So yes. that's also <laughs> something positive. Um, I, to be honest, though, I can't... Well, yeah, because he beat Oath's army, he did become the emperor. And that is very successful fightiest, right? Yeah, he in is, way. in fact, correct me if I'm wrong here, the first emperor to com become emperor yeah. after winning a battle. Yeah, Galba. Galba was more in. of a coup, really, wasn't it? And Otho was the same. Also a coup. There was no real battle there. So there we go. We got our first Actually, emperor to win a battle to become yeah. the emperor. So he's got to get something for that. But apart from that, there's not much, is there? See, based on that, I could give him perhaps, perhaps four. Oh, four. I was or thinking more three. I think only six four because I think, like you mentioned, because he became emperor because of that, the only one. That's yeah. pretty impressive. Okay. You go four, I'll go three. Four. So that is seven for Phytius Maximus. And that does rank him the second lowest. Second lowest. Oh, that's probably right. He didn't last very long. Yeah. Yeah. Otho scored the lowest on six. So. Oh, no, no. You're missing Caligula on zero, though. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, okay. Seven for Phytius Maximus. Yeah. Next round. Approvium Crazium. Okay, got a bit more this week than last week. Yay. So the banquets we talked about. Yes. He would spend a fortune on them. One which he hosted himself. He hosted to show off a new silver serving dish. And he called this dish that he served up on the dish. I'm using dish a lot. The Shield <laughs> of Minerva. And it consisted of pike livers, pheasant and peacock brains, mm. flamingo tongues, and the innards of lampreys. That sounds very delicious. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Mm. This was None of these were local. They were from all around the Emperor. It was basically what is the most expensive yeah. stuff I can get mushed together and put in one dish. Yeah, but we have to remember that's just a shot off a metal plate. Yeah. Now, <laughs> this is one example of the many, many, many banquets and feasts he had when he really should have been trying to pull Rome together. Yeah. So that's a bit, bit odd. It's like I, when I went on sorry when I went on the uh, the tour the, yes, um, the working the tour working tour um, I bought a new mug. Hmm. Did you have a party about it? No. In fact, this is the first time you've probably heard of it. It is, but maybe we should have a party. I think so. Maybe we should go and buy all the best single malt, malt scotch and brandy Ooh. and mix all the top line yeah spirits together. Pour it in a mug. Brandy cocktail. And down it. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. That's I bet what he would have done. I bet he would have done that. Yeah. He would have done. Yeah. Mental. So, that was that. But that's not, I mean, it's not terrible, is it? It's just over the top. Yeah, it's just... it's just over the top. He liked his food and drink. He liked to party. 
He was the party emperor. He also killed his son. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. mental. Let's not forget that one. Yeah. Right, remember the, uh, the start of the episode when I said about the horoscope? Yes. Yeah. Now um, become emperor. Yeah, there, there was evidence to suggest his parents really did stop him trying to advance. And apparently his mother despaired when he became the emperor. Um, uh, just declared he was lost. Yeah. There's no point anymore. Um, everything's going to go terribly. And he was right. Well, she was right. She was right. So he then, because he didn't like this, he, he banished all astrologers from the city. <laughs> yeah. He didn't like the fact that they were saying things about him. So the astrologers, however, are like this, fought back by putting up notices saying Vitellius will be dead by this date around the city. I wonder how many were right. <laughs> they weren't far off. Uh, <laughs> but according to some sources, they got it exactly right, but we can um, perhaps not trust those ones. No. Yeah, but they weren't too far off because he didn't last very long. That's afterwards. a bit like um, when Caligula got the guy from who was he'd been sent away by Tiberius, brought him back and asked him, you know, oh, yes. why, you know... <laughs> what did you do? But I prayed yeah. for the death of an emperor. And thought, yeah. right, kill everyone that's been... Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a bit like that. There was another prophecy, though, that Vitellius probably liked a bit more. He said he would go on to do great things as the emperor. Eat, yeah. As long as, apart from the eating, as long as he outlived his mother. Oh... <laughs> Oh, that took yeah. a second. <laughs> he then starved his mother to death. Oh. So he's killed his son and his mum. That's worse than Nero. Yeah, it's not great. Well, he at least in the board meeting, how do we kill my mum? Boat, collapse, will work. Don't be stupid. Should we just stop feeling her? Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, he's more efficient. But... Yeah, he is more efficient. But less reason to do it. Okay. Remember who his childhood friend was? Nicola. Yeah, let's see if you recognise any of this kind of behaviour. Oh he delighted in watching others suffer. When in Rome, he ordered the execution of a man he disliked. As the man was being dragged away, he begged for forgiveness. So the emperor called him back. Oh. And those around Vitellius applauded his clemency. Well done, Vitellius. Yeah. You're leading by example. You're not being rash. No. Until Vitellius opened his mouth and ordered that the man be killed right there and then in front of him. And I quote, saying... I would feed my eyes. Oh, yeah. It's all about food with him, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> then one man he sent for execution called out. I'd like to think this was in the same day. But I have made you my heir, said the, the next man being executed. So Vitellius calls him back and then asks to see the will. And yes, it's true. He has made him his heir. Oh. That's nice. But he also realised he's the joint heir with a freedman. Oh. <laughs> so Vitellius orders the man and the freedman be killed, leaving him with all the money. See, that's true. It's like, it's like the same with Galvin who's taking his like a million Circes around with him everywhere, you know, to pay off the <laughs> yeah, murderer. Yeah, it doesn't really work, does no. it? Yeah, uh, that's the sign of a desperate man, though, isn't it? He also one day when he went to see the chariots, and you remember he was a big blue supporter. Why are you blue? Oh, dear. yeah, he came across some people who didn't like the blues, so he executed them. What? Yeah. Right, okay, so that's pretty much all I've got for the Euphobium Crasium. There's a lot of crazy there, actually. There, there is a lot of crazy More than there. I was expecting. Yeah, lots more than I was expecting. I've, I, 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 I'd not heard anything about Vitellius being crazy until I started looking into it. Right. It turns out he was. His being sane, he, um, he put in a couple of laws that were all right. That, that's about it. He stopped um, centurions selling the right to not do chores in the army. Oh? Uh, yeah. So, so you can say, I'm not doing that. 
Yeah, either the soldiers could pay the centurion and say, oh, I don't want to do latrine duty this month, can I give you some cash instead? Oh. Yeah, Batelli's put a stop to that. Okay, that's good. That's all I've got. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and just, he's a glutton as well, wasn't he? Just, yeah. That's a, not crazy, but it's just... It's not, but it's not good, is it? I think I'm going to have to score him around the seven mark, I think. He killed his own son... He called his mother on a prophecy. He enjoyed executing people and watching it. Yeah. He killed somebody who was offering to give him money. He executed people because they supported a different team to him. That's seven. Probably near eight, to be honest. Yeah, I'm going eight. I am. I might have to join you, if that's yeah. okay. You're joining me. I'm going to have to join you. So that is 16 for Probium Crasium, which actually puts him second above Nero... Who is always held up as being one of the craziest emperors. No, he's just stupid. Uh, you just get the feeling if, if Vitellius carried on, then he would have been far worse than Nero. Probably Caligula, almost. Yes, quite possibly. You could tell their childhood friends, can't you? Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. Okay, 16 for Probium Crasium. Well, hey. Success Ultimus! I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so we're there with Caligula, are we? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel free to chip in with anything you can think of. He became the emperor, but it's not quite as impressive as the way Otho did. He, he came from um, a position where you could become the emperor. He was well liked. He had the gift of the gab, didn't he, with his armies? He went yeah, around talking. Okay. He had that jolly personality type where people liked him. He held big, lavish parties that I'm sure people paying for them didn't like, but people that went <laughs> probably enjoyed them. I'm not really sure you can claim that was a success for the empire, though, for, can you? No, not for the, well, for the whole empire, no, but he. He, successfully, he became an emperor, or um, fighting for it. He fought for it, and he got it that way. Okay. Well, that's there's a you know. I might be stretched to give him one point. For that. I will give him. I will give him. Can I give him two? You want to give him two? If I, I do. give him two. I'm not giving him anything. Give... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll give him one. Fine. <laughs> okay, one each. Yeah. We'll give him one. <laughs> Right, I'm, I'm utterly unimpressed by the success. Yeah, that's so I've cut you off. Why? Why are you giving him two? Because well, I was just thinking, you know, he, he fought his way. He was successful in becoming emperor, and he had the, the the. I think he was well liked by people generally. I get that impression. The fact he could talk to people, he can get people on his side. It's just he was absolutely mental. Okay, you want to give him two? Give him no, two. no, I'm, I'm going to sit with one. I've, really, I've written it one. down now. Yeah, oh, I've yeah? committed. Okay, then, that is two for Successus Ultimus. Which puts him joint lowest with... His best friend. <laughs> His BFF. Yes. Okay. Image of He was, in fact, abnormally tall. Really tall? Really tall. Hmm. With a face usually flushed from hard drinking, a huge belly, and one thigh <laughs> crippled from being struck once upon a time by a four-horse chariot which we know is Caligula. Yeah. Yeah. So Jamie, whilst I read that, has drawn what he thinks he looks like. He looks like a man who enjoys indulgence. Oh, it's a good red nose there. I'm drawing three metres tall. Three metres tall. Okay, do you want the reveal? Yes. And again, I'm going to have to use the same caveat I did last week. We're not 100% certain that's him, but let's see. There we go. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's really realistic, isn't it? That's a very good, very good carving. That's not flattering at all. <laughs> no, they, they, it's, they, well, it's either not flattering or it is and he was worse. Oh, gosh. <laughs> because, well, because, 
like the early ones, they see they all seem very similar in the sense that they all look very flawless and heroic. And, and yeah, like almost yeah. angelic. This looks grotesque. <laughs> I don't know. Grotesque. So might be a he's bit got better. he's got sort of almost like a widow's peak in the first one, and a massive double chin. Quite. He looks. He looks like somebody in the street. He looks very. He looks to normal. me. And I can't remember it is, and you know Disney films better than I do. Yeah. He looks to me like a Disney character in a film, and I can't remember which one it is, and I'm thinking something to do with a frog. Princess and the Frog. Oh, maybe it's that. Um, he looks a bit like the dad in um, Peter Pan. Oh, does he? I thought it was Mr. Banks. No, that's um, oh. Mary Poppins. I know what you mean. He does look like a Disney character. He does look like a Disney character. But at the same time, I think he looks exactly how I imagined him to look. Yeah, yeah. He looks old, because I keep forgetting how old he was, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, he was in his mid-50s at this point. He's got he a heck of a frown line as well, has he? looks pretty severe, he looks very serious. He does, but apparently he wasn't. Apparently he's quite jolly. So, hmm. So, what, what do you think? I think that's very accurate in terms of, like, I'm thinking, like, nine. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm thinking score highly in the fact that he looks like how I imagined he would. Yeah, I mean, this is but, very subjective. But at the same time, I think low on the... Is this how I want a Roman emperor to look? So I want to give him seven. Oh, you've come down a bit. I'm no. I'm I'm only going to give him six. You give him six. Yeah, okay. because I mean he does look how he uh, he's described, but it's not what I want my Roman emperors to look like. Okay, well that, that that's fine. You can you can personally. That. <laughs> that's that's absolutely fine. Yeah. So um, that is a thirteen for Imagofacius. But then we divide it by we divide it by four. Ah, oh, thirteen's not divisible by four. Oh no. Rob. Which gives him a total of 3.25. 3.25. Um, oh, he's on par with Caligula and Claudius. Oh, well, there you go. Right, so he's there with his friend. Yeah, he is. I think he's going to score a similar score to his friend. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then, oh, well, this will let him down. We're now on to Tempo Completo. Tempo Completo. Right, as you suggested at the start of the episode. No. <laughs> We are in the zero point zeros. He ruled from April sixty nine to December sixty nine. That's eight months. Rounded to eight months, yes. <laughs> so that is a score of zero point zero eight. It's really good that August's reign rounded nicely has almost decimalised for us because every month is zero point zero one, isn't it? Um, it's useful. That works until you until start getting 10, into yeah. yeah, because we have twelve yeah. months. Yeah, it's nice yeah. to begin with. And also, let's not forget, Augustus's wasn't perfectly five. We've shaved quite a bit off that. That is true. Just to make it easy on ourselves. But it didn't matter because Augustus was always going to win this by quite a margin. Yeah, yes. This round, I should say. We don't know about the rest. So that is a total of 28.33 he scored. He's, a, he's the, the fifth highest one. Is he? Who scored lower? Um, low was uh, Otho. Even though he's got Genesis, Galba. Galba Caligula scored lower as well. Interesting, he is the highest of the emperors in the year of the four emperors. So yeah, far. he is. That's a good point. And I'd say he is the most useless. <laughs> yes. But this is the Oprobium Crasium coming into play, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's now like we... Caligula. He's 20 points worth of yeah. fact. He was crazy. <laughs> now, we have, had, we have been contacted by someone suggesting that actually we knock points off rather than give points to Crazium. But I feel these crazy emperors need to shine somewhere. And these points aren't yeah. a total of how good they are. This is no. 
points are how historically memorable they are. That's how I see it. So Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's a good suggestion, so thank you. Yeah. Um, but, but no, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. Yes, thank you very much for replying. <laughs> right, okay, so there we are. We're done, apart from the all-important question, which I'm sure is on the tip of everyone's tongue. Yeah. Does everyone's on it? the edge of their seat. And we're going to give it to him. Does he have a certain Je ne sais pas? Do they have a certain Je ne sais pas? No. No. I don't think he does at all. It's yet another one where we don't need to... He doesn't have a certain something, does he? No. He doesn't make me... Mm. Parts of it makes you think, oh, I'd have got on with him. He just likes drinking and having fun. And then you think about the torturing and the murdering his family. And you think, oh, actually, he's just a overweight Caligula. Yeah, he's a, he's a fat Caligula. <laughs> yeah. This is Caligula if Caligula had lived to be that old. Yeah. Yeah, so... And he's a bit calm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not full-on Caligula. But isn't it odd? And this is what I'm really looking forward about this series, is we've done the really famous ones now. Yeah. And now we're going to go and find these ones where, actually, this person's more insane than Nero. Yeah, because I, I thought Nero was mad. That's the only yeah. thing I really knew about him. And the fact right. he, I ended up feeling sorry for him. He was Nero. a massive liar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good fun. Thank you. Okay, so that is it for this week. Goodbye, Vitellius. You're off to the lions. Yeah, sorry. All that's left to say is thank you to Rex Factor. Yep, yeah, um, we're enjoying it. I'm going to check out the uh, Charles II. Oh, have you not listened to that one yet? No, I, I jump through. I, I don't do it chronologically. I'm, I'm half of him at Beth. Honestly, favourite episode, especially when he dresses up as a maid and runs around the countryside for a while. I've heard about that. Yeah, yeah. it's brilliant. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Yes, and... Life of Caesar as well. Yes, thank you to them. Thank you. They gave us a very generous plug. Thank you. Please do contact us on Facebook and Twitter. Yep, uh, to search for Roman Empress of House Rankium. You know, you know, friend us if you want on Facebook. Like us. You can follow the page. We will load pictures and send out random tweets every now and again. Yeah. Sometimes there's an image. We've got a history dog on there. Who we haven't heard this episode. No, history dog's been very quiet. You probably don't hear history dog very often. I try and edit him out. Yeah, but I, 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 every episode I've heard him somewhere. Oh, right. I haven't edited him out very oh. well. <laughs> Please tell your friends to listen to us. And leave a review on iTunes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you do that, we'll read it out and we'll thank you and you'll feel warm inside. Yes. And then for a couple of seconds, then go, well. Yeah. That yeah. feeling will fade. But then you can leave another review and mm. you can keep renewing that warm feeling. Oh, I'd like to. I'm going to say it's on air now. Um, uh, I would like to make a coin for the best review. And we'll Ooh. post it too. If you can send us your address, we'll post it. We're sending one to. Um, we, we've made one for Rex Factor and Life of Caesar. We'll be posting to them soon. Yeah, so if you leave a really good review, we will send you a coin. Yeah, we'll send you it's a. Not a metal coin. No. It's a replica. Yeah, we haven't. <laughs> it's a replica. It's a replica of one of, of our coin that we use. It'll have a line on one side and it'll say uh, Jeanne Caesar on the, other, on the other side. Yeah, we haven't had to use the coin for a while, have we? No. Only once. Only once. And it agreed with me. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay, thank you very much. Next week, Vespasian. Vespasian. We will see you then. Goodbye. Goodbye. Are you scared? Do you fear for your life? Do you think people are plotting against you? Then please hire one of our bodyguards, the cook or the baker. Are you hungry while you're hiding? Are you so scared you would die for a 
ex-Benedict on toast. If you need somewhere to hide, our baker can build you a gingerbread house to hide into. Our cook and baker, who unfortunately do not come with a candlestick maker. Warning, cook and the baker will in no way save your life or prevent any harm to you or anybody else in your local vicinity. But they cook a 